What great love. I'm sure that most of us even that love him and have been living for him for a long time, we still probably understand so very little about such a great love. For him to become a man would have been such an act of condescension, but for him to become sin. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. For he who knew no sin became sin, that he might become the very righteousness that we might become of God in him. I'm so grateful for it today, aren't you? I just wonder what it's going to be like when all the great singers and musicians that have lived down through time that have given their talent to God when we all gather together. There'd be one thing about the singers and the musicians. I figure they'll still be singing and playing. Preachers won't preach no more. You're talking about an eternal retirement plan. So you preach for 30 or 40 years, whatever it is, and then you get eternal retirement. So be no preaching, no prayer lines, no altar calls, nothing like that. But what a time of rejoicing and praising and loving and worshiping Him. I'm sure our minds just cannot comprehend it. But until we get to that time, there's many tolls and snares, no doubt, that we will be faced with and ups and downs in life. So... I think he equips us with what we need in this life's journey to help us to make it. If you have your Bible and you'd like to turn with me today to the book of Luke, chapter 8, verse 49, we certainly welcome you here today and trust that if you come to receive something from the Lord, that he will be able to minister to your need. I've been speaking here for uh, several services on the bride's bill of rights, and today I'd like to speak to you on a life above ungodly fear. A life above ungodly fear. How many knows there is a fear that's right and true? We know, of course, the Old Testament teaches us that, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and there's a reverential fear that we should have for our parents and so on. But there is a fear that is absolutely ungodly, unholy, and we should not be captured by it. So there's a life that we can live above ungodly fear. Luke chapter 8, verse 49. The setting is of course, Jarius, and he's come to the Lord Jesus and asked for help because his daughter is sick. Little does he know, of course, that while he's on his journey, his daughter has died, and we will break into that part of the story right there. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, fear not. What a peculiar 
response. So the man's daughter is dead, 12 years old. The wife is no doubt torn to pieces. By this time, the mourners are already there wailing and mourning as it was the custom of the people. And the Lord Jesus says, don't be afraid. Everything's good. Can you imagine how odd that must have seemed? Can you imagine what you all would respond to me if I walked into your house and your husband, your wife, your baby just died and I said, everything's good. God's got it all in control. Don't be afraid. You'd probably look at me and think, poor old guy. He's lost his mind. But you see, this is the type of fear that God does not want his children to have. Listen, but when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, answered him saying, fear not, believe only, believe only. Isn't that amazing? It's backwards the way that we say it most of the time. We say only believe, but he said, believe only. And she shall be made whole. So the heart is stopped, the blood pressure is gone, the blood is start coagulating in the body. You imagine the reversal of all this that's got to take place for this one word, whole. The blood is still. You know what it does? It coagulates. It clots. The arteries start collapsing. The heart muscles dead. Jesus says she will be whole. Look at this word fear where Jesus said there, fear not. Look up here at the Greek word, what it actually means. A phobia. Well, we're living in a phobia age, aren't we? Listen what it means. To be afraid of, to put to flight by terrifying, to scare away, to be struck with fear, to be seized with alarm. How many's ever had it? over and over again, haven't we? We've all experienced this type of thing, phobias, phobias. Notice with me again in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. The Lord Jesus again, different setting, same words. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is, notice how he punctuates this, it is your father's good pleasure. God gets pleasure out of giving us the kingdom. Romans 8, 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again. The spirit of bondage Again, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. I hope you understand what I'm going to say. There's a difference in fear and the spirit of fear. It's inbred in us, fight or flight, since the fall, to feel alarmed. Somebody pulls out in front of you. You react within three quarters of a second to break. There's certain fear that will save your life. But then there's a spirit of fear that can get on people. 
And it takes the Spirit of God to deliver them. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Now, Paul's going to say some very peculiar words here, which is only coined by the Lord Jesus himself in the book of Mark, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. I mean, let's be remembered today as we pray. Just hold your request in your heart. Father, we love you today. We so thank you for the opportunity that we can be gathered together. Lord Jesus, may you come and speak to our hearts. No doubt among these hundreds of people that are here today, the needs are so many and so diverse. Some, Lord, facing great decisions in their life. Some maybe just heard a terrible doctor's report this week. Some maybe father, a loved one is gone away from the way of the righteousness and truth. They're so heavy here today. Some, maybe it's a husband or a wife. Maybe it's a wayward loved one. Lord, you know what we all need. We're bringing our petitions before you today. We have confidence in you that you're mindful of us. In the name of Jesus, I bind every evil spirit that would try to hinder this service. In the name of Jesus Christ, may every foul spirit from hell take your flight. In the name of Jesus Christ, open our hearts, Father, to your word that we might be able to receive from you. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I find it to be amazing that people that have been delivered from things can once again take on a spirit of bondage. It can be bondage to a man, it can be bondage to a church, it can be bondage to a system, it can be bondage to a previous thing that they've overcome and they find themselves under the same thing again. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's something that God set you free from. You got a little cold and a little indifferent, and you find yourself picking up some of those things that you laid aside. But Paul says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Now, fear is something that Adam and Eve never experienced in the Garden of Eden before the fall. They knew an an amount of joy and fulfillment and happiness that, to be honest, none of us have ever experienced. We've known happiness. It's short-lived many times. We've known joy, and we say, oh, my, we get a new child in our family or a grandchild or, you know, a promotion in your job or something, and it makes you happy. But you know how it is. It's short-lived. And then something else will come up, and it seems like it takes that joy and that happiness from you. Think, where did it go? You had it 30 minutes or an hour or maybe a day or two and it's gone. But can you imagine living in a paradise of God to where they never knew any sadness? They never knew any any feeling of gloom. They never got up one day and felt great and then by noon some bad news came and changed it all and they were just heartbroken for several, several days. That's our life. But every day was the same. Every day was beautiful. Every day was awesome. The presence of God being around them every day. They lived in this 
absolute wonderful world that he had made for them. And they never knew any type of sadness, no gloom, no type of weariness, no fear whatsoever. Until they make their choice to step beyond the boundary of the word. Then it was God's custom, of course, to come in the evening time because God would lay them down to sleep and rest. So the sun started setting and Adam and Eve would go up to the cathedral of trees. But this day happened and whenever they knew it was time for him to come, they began to feel this peculiar, strange feeling. It was all new to them. They never experienced it before. Their flesh must have begun to tremble somewhat and they got anxious. Maybe their face began to flush. Their blood pressure began to rise. They'd never felt that before either. And they began to feel so strange and so unusual. Didn't even know what to call it. Didn't even know how to identify it. And then God came down as was his custom. And God didn't find them in church. Every day before this, they was in church. Every day, every day they was in church. The great synagogue was not made of stone and it was not a temple of gold and silver, but it was the beautiful trees that God had made in paradise. The birds, the animals, the flowers, the streams, the rivers, the waterfalls must have been absolutely breathtaking. But now Adam could no longer enjoy them. He could not feel the same way just that he did the day before and he's trying to ponder what is this feeling that I'm feeling. I've never felt this before. And he hears the voice of God as it comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day and God was saying, Adam, 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 where are you? Adam, my boy. And then I can hear this wee voice say, I'm over here. I hid myself because I'm afraid. The first time the human being says this terrible word. I'm afraid. And I hid myself the first time a human being hides from God's presence. Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? Come out and face my judgment. It must have been a horrible day. You see, this seems strange for you and I. All we've known since we were just wee children, we started experiencing fear. Most of you probably can't even remember the first time you felt it. It's probably a baby, as I was probably a wee baby. The first time this emotion came over me, And I didn't know what to do. So all I did was cry and scream like you did. I didn't know what to say. I I couldn't talk. I didn't know how to express it. But I felt this feeling. And I didn't like it. 
So I begin to scream and cry, kick my feet, and what I want, my mama. But now, of course, I'm 67 years old. So I felt the fear of sickness, the fear of betrayal, the fear of not understanding God's will, the fear that I'll fail him, the fear of man, the fear of government, the fear of people that you don't know, the fear of flying, the fear of storms, the fear of lightning, the fear of high winds, on and on and on I could go. My life like yours, hardly a day goes by that I don't encounter some type of fear. Maybe it's the fear of the economy, the fear of you being able to pay your bills, the fear of how will I provide for my family? And as a man, that makes you nervous. Makes you very nervous. If you love your family, you want to provide for them. You go to looking and thinking, God, what must I do? How can I be able to make it? It's my responsibility to provide for my family. So you try to better yourself. You meet with this disappointment and that disappointment. You ever notice how when disappointments come of that sort, there can be an element of fear that will grip your heart because it seems to produce an uncertainty and you just don't know what the future is. And you can look around and see that food's higher than it's been. Inflation's going up. Wages aren't keeping up with it. And the price of bread is going up. You bought gas in the last few weeks, it's gone up. Everything is going up. Well, that's what I'm waiting for too, to go up. (laughs) But until I do, and until you do, we will constantly experience fear. But Brother Donnie, you said that we can live a life that is above ungodly fear. Yes, we can. I do not believe, according to God's word, that God wants us to be controlled by fear, though in our mechanism of humanity, it is an automatic response. As I stood some few months ago in my kitchen and Carol called me and she was with Erica down at the hospital in Sycamore Shoals and they'd done a scan on her brain because she was saying some things that wasn't quite right and they were just alarmed by it. So they did a scan and they found in her brain that the cancer, which is almost impossible for the neuroendocrine cells to move because of the blood block to go up to the brain, but that devil found a way to go into her brain. Carol told me, Donnie, you need to come down here because they've, they've found this and I, I think we need you here. 
When Carol spoke those words to me, instantly I felt my face flush red. I felt my blood pressure go up. I never have blood pressure problems, thank the Lord. But I felt it go up. I felt my heart pounding within my chest. And I said, okay, I'll change my clothes and I'll be down there just in a few minutes. But I, as I began to get ready to go down to the hospital, I remembered what the Lord God had spoke to me at that same hospital in Sycamore Shoals. I had taken Erica down for a, a scan, an MRI. I was sitting out in the waiting room with my laptop in my lap. It was on a Wednesday, so I was gonna preach Wednesday night. And I sat there on my laptop in my lap studying uh, in the waiting area for service on Wednesday night. And while I was sitting there, the Spirit of God spoke these words to me. Do not fear their scans. Believe my word. So I wrote down what he said. I wrote down the date and I wrote down the time. When God tells you something, it don't lie. You know that's right, don't you? Because you've had him speak to you. So whenever we got back the result of that scan, there was nothing bad. No bad report at all. So I thought, Huh, God didn't tell me that for nothing. Months went by. So here I walk into the ER and I find Erica there laying down. I find Carol sitting by her side. And again, I was reminded and I told them whenever I walked in, I said, remember, it was in this same hospital, not the same room, but the same hospital that the Lord spoke to me months ago. Someone printed it out for Erica and she's got it there, you know, where she can be reminded of it. But my first reaction in my human makeup was what? Not joy, not excitement, fear. How many knows what I'm talking about this morning? Now, does that mean that I did not believe Does that mean you do not believe whenever we hear things that will alarm us? Does that mean when we experience this type of fear or phobia that we are doubting God? It does not. It simply means that through one of the 10 gates that Satan has access to, see, taste, feel, smell, hear, the outer court, And then to the second court, which is the spirit, imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. These are 10 gates that he tries to access the human being to be able to get into the real court, which is the soul. Now, our reaction, no doubt, will always be to respond first humanly, and then whenever the spirit of God can gain control then we will calm the outer five gates and calm the inner five gates and then start ruling from the throne room of the soul. I mean, it understands what I'm saying. Now, the sad part about it is that there are many Christians that live under a spirit of bondage. Now, Paul is using the words here that was identified with slavery. 
Now, slavery is a terrible, terrible thing, whether it's natural or spiritual. Now, during the time here, of course, in the book of Romans was written, it was a time of slavery on the earth. We know our own nation had its own black, dark years of slavery here in America. But I'm gonna tell you something, I believe there's more slaves in America today than there ever has been before. Now, they're not necessarily their bodies owned by someone else, but it is their souls and their minds and their objectives and their motives. And people always sing of the land of the free and the home of the brave. But I wonder how many in America today are truly free. Many of them are bound by addictions to alcohol and and addictions to drugs and many of them are bound by addictions to pornography and addictions of all sorts. Come on, somebody preach with me. Some of them are addicted to this and that and the other and they cannot make it without having something to help them to get up something to help them to go to sleep, something to carry them over in the middle of the day. What a sad time we're living in. So it is a spirit of bondage again that has got so many people, and yet Paul is contrasting the spirit of bondage with the spirit of adoption. So, you know, the slave would be under constant fear. The slave would constantly, now, none of us, of course, here, sitting here today, I dare say, under the sound of my voice anywhere around the world, have been a slave in the natural sense, so it would be hard for us to relate to it. Some of our our brothers and sisters and their their families several generations back that would be of the black brothers and sisters and no doubt maybe some of their grandfathers or great-grandfathers it would be that would tell them about that and how that they was owned by another human being which was an abomination in the eyes of God. God never ordained such a thing. God made all men free. It was man that made slaves, not God. Come on. But you and I might not be able to relate to someone owning your body. But I dare say every one of us can relate to being under an element of spiritual slavery. And what's so sad is when people have found the Lord and been able to meet him and recognize that he is the redeemer and he set them free from the bondage of sin and then they come into serving him and they obtain another form of slavery which is a spiritual slavery and they're still Christians, they still love the Lord, they go to church, but they go to a church that doesn't really preach all the truth. Now you know, we believe we're living in a rapturing time, a rapturing age. I personally believe by the dispensations of God's light through the gospel that you can notice whenever God released his power and there was four beasts in the book of Revelation and when those four beast powers were was released, the spirit of God lifted up a standard and released an anointing from the throne of God that would combat that power on the earth. In order to be an overcomer in that age, you had to be anointed with that spirit to ever overcome it. So is it today. So if this is an age like never been before, it's going to take more than the ox anointing. It's going to take more than the man anointing. It's going to take the eagle anointing in the book of Revelation that we have to come and hear what he has to say to the church in this end time. 
And yet many people go to church and they don't understand the first principle about where we are in the dispensation of time. To me, that is so sad. So Paul contrasts the bondage of slavery with the freedom of the people of God under the spirit of adoption. Now he says, you've not received the spirit of bondage again. Now how sad that that people that would have been released from the spirit of bondage and they drank and they cursed and they run around, they lived, you know, terrible, terrible lives, and then they come into some sort of church system, and when they come into that church system and they find themselves saved, but they don't find themselves totally set free, and they come right back into another bondage again, and they become slaves to some sort of religious system which many times can be worse than what they was in out there in the world. It's harder to get a religious man to see that he's wrong many times than it is a sinner out here that knows he's lost. But a religious spirit is seven times worse than any other devil in hell. I want you to think about that because a religious spirit will try to convince people that they're all right, oh, you live as good as they do, you're okay. You go to church every now and then, whether you need to or not. You help the poor and you do this and that, and you know, you're, you're good, you're good. I'll tell you, friend, that's not the kind of thing you wanna die by. That ain't the type of thing I wanna live by. I wanna live by a gospel that'll be able to present me to the Lord Jesus as a bride of Christ. But so many today are under this spirit of bondage again. But you don't have to be unless you choose to be. Now, notice Paul then says, uh, we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry. Now, what you notice that we have received the spirit of adoption. So adoption was, of course, taken from the Greeks and the Romans and whereby that even if you were born into a family and you was of their genos, their seed, their kind, their blood, and it was your father's and was sure for sure that you belonged to them, but you didn't just get your inheritance automatically because you was of the Reagan family or the Smith or whoever you are but you had to go through a time of child training, a time of proving, so they would set you under a governor or one that would be able to train you, and that governor would give constant reports to the father of your behavior. And it was your behavior that determined the amount of inheritance that you received. Now, you might have a birth certificate and a birth record and prove, yes, you was born on that certain, certain day. It was not the birth certificate that gave you your inheritance, but rather it was your behavior. And as the governor come back and reported to the father and he said, your boy's really doing good. He's 18 now and I'll tell you, I gave him authority to do this and do that and he is really doing good. I gave him permission to be able to use your name and write a check the other day. I sent him down there, I went along with him and then I told him, I said, now take, take your father's goods out there and barter and trade and sell. And I just kind of stood off and I watched him and I watched the way he'd done and he took those sheep and traded them out because we needed some donkeys and we needed a few camels. And I watched him and he didn't stick nothing in his pocket, no under the table sort of thing. I'm telling you, oh, he's doing good. You imagine when that father would hear that report, he said, oh my, that's my boy. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what, Governor, what I want you to do is I want you to give him just a little bit more authority and watch him. Now, now, just kind of don't let him know you're watching him, but give him a little bit more stuff. Let him have a little bit more of my name. Let him have a little bit more liberality and watch him. Give him a little bit more in his allowance and watch what he'll do. What if that boy got out there and he found him down there in a gambling den somewhere and he found him doing things that he wouldn't do? His father, if he's a real good father, he's not gonna give him more authority. He's not gonna give him more money, but actually he's gonna pull back until that boy proves that he can be trusted. Well, I hope somebody's hearing me today. God wants us to be adopted sons and daughters of God. Let me just give you a little preview of what God is looking for in this age. It's not church membership. It's not people that can just come and be there and be a part of church. But the prophet of God said he hoped and prayed that he would live for the hour that was going to rise when the sons of God would stop disease. They would stop cancer. Not just pray for it, but stop it. That will not come if Father can't trust us. How many preachers do we have that God could give them the power and authority to stop cancer. Or how many of them would take that power and become a stuffed shirt? Well, I prayed for this one and I did this and I did that. You see, that's our report card. We're telling Father what we're gonna do. Okay, Father, now this is the way I'm gonna behave when you give me authority. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take part of the credit for me. You're not sending Father a good report about your behavior. You see, Father will do the same thing with a singer or a songwriter or a musician. He will give us talents and give us abilities And then according to the way it affects our makeup, boy, can I sing good? What do y'all think? Don't I sing good? Wow, what a singer I am. You realize you're just cutting yourself off from more of the supply line. So what do we want to do? The more God uses us, the littler we get, not the bigger we get. And then if that is the equation and that is the way we put it together, that the more God does, the more we humble ourselves and we keep ourselves small in our own sight. And I found this out years ago. It doesn't really matter how many people that the devil puts around a man of God to try to exalt him. And you watch it, he'll do it every time. Every time God will raise up a man, Satan will put people around him who will try to make an idol out of him. Well, if he understands that, he will constantly cut that down. He'll strike it, he'll strike it. Oh, they'll get sick of hearing it, but you gotta trust him because he knows what he's doing. Well, he's in no danger of that hurting him until he himself begins to believe it. 
You see, so Satan will put people around him. Oh, brother, there ain't nobody preaches like you. They ain't nobody can sing like you. They ain't nobody. Oh, I've heard preachers preach, and I'll tell you what, I believe you've just about got the greatest ministry and the message. You better watch it. You better watch it. But as long as that man resents it coming from the congregation and he strikes against it, there's no danger of that serpent biting him because the blood will be too rich. But then what Satan will try to do is change the tactic and try to attack him personally and convince him to where he begins to look at himself and he compares himself with other ministers. Well, you know, God is using me in a greater way than this brother and that brother and our church is bigger and we've got bigger, 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 more, 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 more. And the way to get bigger, bigger, more, more, more is get little, 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 little. Because when we get bigger, bigger, bigger and begin to think bigger, 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 we're getting a stuffed head and we ain't gonna be able to go no farther in God. I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. Now, you know, we send God that and then whenever we send God this message, then God can no longer be able to reflect in us more of the abundance of the spirit of adoption. Now, we can walk into a phase of that, and the more we get there, the more the anointing under the eagle anointing of the last day, under the opening of the seven seals, that the spirit of adoption will be released. Believe what you want, think whatever you want. I believe we're right on the verge of the greatest thing we have ever seen in our entire lives. I think we will marvel at what the Lord God will do in front of us if we will be able to stay little and small and humble ourselves in his presence. But the very moment we begin to look at ourselves and think we're this and that and the other, we might as well close the doors and all just go back home because God will start cutting off the supply line because you see, it's not just enough. You say, well, I'm a preacher. Well, that can be part of your adoption. Well, I'm a song leader. I'm a deacon. I'm a trustee. But that within itself is the mechanical side of adoption. But you see, adoption has two sides. That is the mechanical side and the spiritual side, which is the dynamic side. And we can take the mechanics. Oh yes, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a missionary, I'm this, I'm that. That's the mechanical side. But it takes the dynamic side in order to anoint our mechanical side that will produce the works of the Messiah. Now, if not, it'll just produce our own works. So I can tell you right now, mining your works ain't gonna raise the dead. Mining your works is not gonna stop cancer. Come on, somebody. Mining your works is not gonna produce the works of St. John 14, 12, that if any man believe on me, oh glory, these things he's gonna do. Is that what your Bible tells us? In St. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. Psalms 37 and 4, delight thyself also in the Lord and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. That's God's word. And we quote the mechanical side and then we cut our own throats from the dynamic side the very moment we become exalted. Can I go on? You're saying, please, please. We don't like this, do we? Well, it's part of it. You see, as children, we need protection and help. 
I don't mind telling you, I need protection. Not from just demons. I need protection from me. And you know who you need protection from the most? Don't look at over at your wife. Uh -uh, Don't look at your young'uns. Take your mirror out and take a selfie. It's you. You are your greatest enemy. Now, I want you to notice the words that Paul uses here in Romans when he says that you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry. So this is not shouting now. This is not jumping. This is not rejoicing. But the word that he uses, look at the word that he uses, we cry. So we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is actually an Aramaic word. Strange why that Paul would use this just like Jesus did. So it's a word that is in the original Aramaic language. So the translation, the Greek translators, when they translated this, they just left it in this form. But whenever they use the second word, Abba, and then Father, which is Pater, P-A-T-E-R, Pater. So Paul is addressing how that we, when we come to God under the spirit of adoption, that we need to pray in this way, dear Father, Abba, Abba, not Father, Father, but dear or sir. It's a petition that Jesus Christ himself coined. It's a time of need and great desperation. You mean after the spirit of adoption? Yes, so we don't become exalted. So we move from the realm of fear and move over into the spirit of adoption. So we need children that of God that will cry out and recognize their needs. So we address him in the language of affection and enduring confidence. Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Dear Father. Precious Father. My Father. Hallelujah. This is from the word, the Chaldean word, A-B in the Old Testament, Ab. The Chaldean word for father. So the union of the two words, Abba, father, is an endeared relation that we have with God. So notice this again in, in Genesis chapter 22, verse seven, the first time Ab is used in the Bible. It's when Isaac is following his father. And Isaac is a, is a well-taught boy. He knows the order of worship. So his father tells him, look, son, let's go up here to this certain, certain place that God will tell us and we're gonna offer an offering to the Lord. So he gets the wood and he lays it on Isaac's back and he gets the fire You imagine Isaac starts thinking, Brother Jack, now wait a minute. 
Here's the wood, here's the fire, but there's no offering. How are we gonna worship God without an offering? I'll tell you one thing, I think our young people would be much better off to be able to talk the right approach to worship than instead of spending so much time on video games. Spending so much time filling their head with all different types of movies that shouldn't even be watched in the first place. Spending so much time on Facebook and Instagram and here and there and there. This boy knew how to worship God. He's a lad. And he's pondering. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, my Abba. Notice how he coins this now. My, my Abba. Why is he saying this? It is a petition of submission to his father's will. Now this is a long, arduous journey. He doesn't even know where they're going. He doesn't understand why they're going this way without a lamb. Abraham probably by this point knows that God is going to require him, as far as he knows, to present his son's life as a sacrifice. But Isaac still doesn't know it, but yet he's submitting himself to his father's will and being in this submissive state, he calls upon his father in these terms, my father, not just Abba, but my father. I trust you. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what's going on. My father, and he said, Jeremiah, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now he has complete faith and trust in his father. Doesn't utter one word of discontentment in this hard, difficult journey because he trusts him. But now he's seeking for understanding. And he doesn't approach his father with an attitude. Oh, hallelujah. But he says, my father, my Abba, my Abba, I need help. And Abraham answers back, my bar, bar, son. My son, what a relationship. My father, yes, my son. I don't wanna just know him as father. I wanna be able to address him as my father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. But now he must be coming anxious, Brother Jack, and wondering, and maybe it's the sense of fear. Oh no. Daddy, you're, you're, you're not. Surely you're not thinking of doing what the Canaanites do. For the Canaanites offer 
their children to their gods. Surely that's not what you're going to do. My father, why are you letting me go through this? My father, yes, my son. Where's the sacrifice, my father? My son, God will provide for himself a burnt offering. David declares God as being the father of the children of Israel forever. First Chronicles 29, 10. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, blessed be thou, Lord God, Jehovah Elohim of Israel, our Abba, forever and ever. Isaiah coins the same term he writes about the everlasting name of Abba, Father, our Redeemer. Isaiah 63, 16, doubtless thou art our Father. Though Abraham be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not, thou, O Lord, art our Abba, our Redeemer. Hallelujah. Notice he also exhorts the acknowledgement to the people of God in Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay and thou art the potter. We are the work of thy hands. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 19. But I said, how shall I put thee among the children and give thee a pleasant land, a goodly heritage, of the host of the nations, and I said, Thou shalt call me my Father. And thou shalt not turn away from me. But notice in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, the first time we find the two words put together Abba, Peter, my dear Father, my dear Father. The Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Now the second Adam, not in the Garden of Eden, but in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, though he were a son, Yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And the Bible goes on to tell us that he feared. Jesus feared. Death is a few hours away. And his humanity goes to feeling for the first time the closeness of death. And how does he pray? Abba, Peter, Abba, Peter. And he sweats and sweats until the capillaries in his bloodstream begin to break and are released out of the sweat glands in his body. It must have been awful to have heard him 
If we could go there this morning for a few moments, I can see him there in the darkness. His flesh is trembling and shaking. He's down on his knees and maybe kneeling on a rock. Great drops of sweat as it starts out under such arduous pain of prayer. I don't know if you've ever been there before. But I've been there a few times. One time many years ago, casting a devil out of a person. And I prayed and I prayed. Some folks here with me that day. And I prayed until my clothes were wet, my socks, my shoes. Praying, that devil answering in an audible voice, saying, you will not make me leave. I was in the Garden of Eden. I have been here for a long time. And the anointing would move in this place where I was with the saints praying with me. Brother Jim remembers that he was there. And the presence of God would come in in such a mighty way. And that devil would get so afraid and so scared. And the individual would quake and tremble and shake. And the anointing would move. And it's like it would hit against a block wall. And it would back off. And we would pray again and the anointing would move. And it would back off. This went on for several hours until finally the individual passed out. And I told their companion, their mate, I said, we're going to go home and rest for a bit. I want you to call me when they wake up. The person said, is it gone? I said, no, it's not gone. She just under such exhaustion that he can't talk no more. What did I need? Abba, Father. My dear Father. We went back a few hours later. The individual had come back around Seemed different. Seemed different. But you see, a devil can come and go as he pleases until one with authority adjures him in the name of Jesus and makes him leave. He will not be able to come back again unless that body, house, will allow him to do so. You see, friends, when we're talking about this sort of thing, it's more than jumping, more than running, more than shouting. For a devil to obey you, you better know what you're doing. Jesus is experiencing this fear 
As I walked in that place, I don't know that I'll ever forget it as long as I live. The individual was a small person, real small in stature. And I walked into the door, a man's voice spoke out of this person's body and said, Get him out of here! Get him out of here! You see, it wasn't me. What was it? The spirit of adoption. Mm. Oh boy, they're nervous now, ain't they? Uh-huh. I wasn't just talking about you all either. Oh, the work that God has for his church. Hallelujah. And he said, Abba, Peter, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. So Jesus is experiencing for the first time this human anxiety and turmoil and fear. You imagine his humanity being flooded with fear, not just death, but to become sin. He prays to Father God, the Spirit which now dwells in him in the fullness, because he knows it will be long, it will leave him. The Father! will leave the Son. The Spirit will go out of the humanity and the body must die alone. No wonder he's saying, Abba, Peter, Abba, my dear Father, my dear Sir, please. Now, maybe some of you think you can live without the Lord Jesus in your life. I'm going to tell you one thing. I wouldn't want to live with him for 30, without him for 30 seconds in this world. As mad as I've made hell, whew, it would be bad. Any child of God sitting here today that's filled with the Holy Ghost, you ought to feel the same way. I wouldn't want to live one minute without Jesus Christ in my life. When you think about it, when you're facing such things as I've described to you this morning, and you've heard me tell it before, when I was in Michigan many years ago preaching and I was awakened in the pastor's house and I was in the bed there and I heard a noise and it was the headboard bumping against the wall and the bed was moving. And I woke up and I looked at the end of that bed, there stood a creature veiled in a black veil. And his head was like back in the veil like this and I could see his eyes. 
And he spoke out in an audible voice and said, took his finger like this and his finger was crooked. And he said, I've come to take your life. And when he said it, his legs bumped against the bed again and the headboard hit the wall. Brother Donnie, you feel like shouting? You gotta be kidding me. I was scared to death. I didn't take my eyes off of him, but I raised up in the bed. I took my hands and raised up in the bed upon the pillow and I said, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. He stepped closer again, hit the bed. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke you, go back to hell where you come from. And I watched him as he stood back and he backed out and backed out. The room I was in was like a bonus room over a garage and there was a window there at the end of it and he backed out and disappeared into that window. Do you feel like shouting? You gotta be kidding me, I was sweating bullets. Sweat pouring out of my face, sweat and running out of my hands. Why? It's a human reaction to experience fear when you encounter hell. It's a human reaction to experience fear when the doctor says cancer, when the doctor says TB, when the doctor says you are incurable. Oh, hallelujah. But if you can get yourself calm and the spirit of adoption can anoint you, then you can move from the soul and it will capture imagination. It will capture thoughts. It will capture see, taste, feel, smell, and hear and say, let me do the talking. Hallelujah. Let me do the talking. Then faith from the soul can say, I refuse to be controlled by fear. As Carol and I pulled into the cancer center on Friday, she said, we never thought we'd ever be coming to this place, did we? I said, no, we sure didn't. We walk in and sit down with our daughter, Erica, of course, and we answer her husband. They go through all the different tests and this and that and the other results of one thing and another. Nurse, then a nurse practitioner, then the doctor comes in. Now, we're going to try this and we're going to do this. Now, he says... I cannot cure you. There has no one ever been cured of what Erica has. Fear would say, well, you better get a funeral subject ready. I have no funeral text. I'm not planning a funeral. Come on, saints. We ain't picking out no songs. <laughs> Why are you picking out no burial clothes? And the doctor said, I cannot kill you. And he did this. Raised both of his arms like this and his fingers up toward the heavens. But God has the last say. <laughs> Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! So what do I say in those times? What do you say? Abba, Abba, Father. Yes. 
is the end of his human life is imminent. Now remember, Jesus will never live a human life again. He's hours away from the end of human existence. So he fears. So he hesitates in mortal fear. He could pray any way he wanted to. Lord God, Adonai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Titzkanu, Jehovah our Redeemer, Jehovah our Savior, Jehovah our Banner. But instead, Abba, Abba, dear Father. You see, whenever you're going through things like this, and you can still call him dear, wonderful, sweet, precious. You don't realize what a victory he's been able to work in your life. Instead of getting an attitude. God? Uh-huh. You see, that's what Satan was able to convince Eve of in the Garden of Eden. Yea, has God said? Notice in Genesis 1, God did this, God, 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 until Genesis 2, whenever God brought family into the earth, and then the Bible adds to that Lord God. Jehovah with his family. And what was Satan able to do? Bring Eve back to their pre-existence name. Yea, hath God said. Impersonal, uncaring. That couldn't bother her at all. But she took the bait. And then she starts saying the same thing. Well, God did say this and God did say that. So when you're in the midst of your trials, don't let go of Abba. Abba. What was Jesus doing? The same thing that Isaac did. My father, I trust you. I trust you. Second Corinthians 6.18 And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters says the Lord Almighty. Romans 8, 16, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is not your human reaction to a tragedy, a trauma, or something that is frightening. It is a demon that hangs around you and causes things which should be able to pass within a matter of seconds or minutes. But instead, it is like if we could see it in the fourth dimension, it would be like a dark cloud. It's a being. And it hangs over you. And it makes everything that is fearful makes it that much worse. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of... This is the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite from. 
of power and of love and of a sound mind. First John 4, 18, there is no love, no fear in love. And the church said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear has. How many has experienced it? I tell you right now in the name of Jesus, if you'll believe, some of you believe this service today, set free. Thank you, Lord God. Let's jump over here, brothers. Skip a couple of those scriptures there. Let's jump to Israel and the church. I'll close yours just momentarily. This has been the greatest thing that I've found among Christian people throughout the entire world. Has been a fear they're always afraid. When a little sickness strikes, they're afraid. Many, I wonder sometimes, and now I'm, I'm along with you, but now what I'm trying to do tonight and this week to come is to try to drive that fear away by God's word. Again, it says one of the greatest curses on the church today is fear. One of the greatest curses. So who put it on us? Who put it on us? I want you to notice he's not saying sinners and lost and the people, the infidels and agnostics and so on, but on the church. Again, he says in the next one, the greatest thing that I find against the church tonight is fear. Everybody's scared to death about something. What are you scared about? If a man's born again, he should be happy, carefree, just like these fellows singing up here and the brother testifying back there, just free. So it must have been some folks up there singing and they were singing like this, free. And he was using them as a comparison, says, see, that's the way all the rest of y'all ought to be. Y'all ought to be free. Like them people up there singing. Oh my, carefree, there ain't nothing can harm you. Nothing present, nothing future, nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Skip over a little bit, brother. Several quotes there. Let's go down to some of those phobias. Let me give you a few. This is to name only a few. Some of the phobias that have been identified. I won't use the medical term because I can't say them. Fear of darkness, fear of heights, fear of flying, fear of public spaces or crowds, fear of needles or pointed objects, fear of cats, fear of chickens, fear of pain, fear of riding in a car, fear of men, fear of angina or choking, fear of flowers. What a peculiar thing to be afraid of. Fear of flowers, fear of people or society, fear of being touched. Fear of spiders. I can relate to you on that one, brother. 
Fear of numbers. Who had ever thought it? Fear of thunder and lightning. Fear of disorder of untidiness. Fear of imperfection. Fear of failure. Fear of being alone. Fear of bacteria. You know, COVID and flu and so on and so on. Fear of gravity. Fear of stairs and steep slopes. Fear of amphibians. Fear of pins and needles. Fear of books. Well, I mean, the devil has worked overtime, ain't he? Who in the world ever thought that you would be able to experience? And now, I'm not laughing or making fun of anyone who has experienced some of these things. And no doubt there's people that have sat in here or hearing the service, and many of them have experienced these exact same things. What is it? The word fear, phobia. A phobia of this, a phobia of that, a phobia of something else. We can't get in the car, we can't go here, we can't go there. Come on, somebody. My goodness, you're scared to death. You've gotta have a double mask and then a triple mask and a quarter mask. We've got alcohol rubbed here and there and there. As long as you use it on your hands, just don't drink that stuff, okay? And we've got it here. My, we can't go there. Somebody sneezes, Walmart clears out. Well, come on, somebody. Somebody sneezes and target half the population leave. We're scared of this. We're scared of that. We're scared of something else. I am sick and tired of being scared of the devil's lies. I don't know about you. I don't think God wants us to live under a spirit of fear. Well, I ain't gonna make it. Well, I'm not good enough. I can never do it. You need to rise above that and be able to live a life that is free from all ungodly fear. I'm afraid of people. I'm afraid of preachers. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. We need to move into the land of adoption where there is liberty and joy and peace. Fear of books. Fear of plants, fear of ugliness. I can relate to that one. (laughs) Fear of being ridiculed, fear of mirrors, fear of snow, fear of colors, fear of clocks. I saw some of you keep watching yours and you're trying to figure out how long I'm gonna go. Fear of food. I don't know, some of us might need to be afraid of that a little bit from the looks of it. Fear, 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 of, fear of confined spaces, fear of clowns. Fear of computers. Now I'm with you on that because they got a mind of their own sometimes, don't they? Fear of dogs, fear of trees, fear of dentists. I'm with you on that one too. Fear of houses, fear of accidents, fear of insects, fear of teenagers. (laughs) You notice somebody's parents ain't laughing, don't you? They say, you ought to have mine. Fear of horses, fear of marriage or commitment, fear of knees. Fear of speaking in public, fear of women, fear of the sun, fear of blood, fear of reptiles, fear of water, fear of illness, fear of doctors, fear of insects, fear of rooms full of people, 
Feel the color white. Fear of tornadoes and hurricanes. And you see a lot of us can say, some of y'all about just go ahead and raise up your hand and, and just keep it up for the most part. Take it down on the clown part, take it down on the white part, and then you can laugh at the rest of those that are fear of white. Does it really matter which one we're afraid of? Can't you see what I'm saying? We're supposed to be under the spirit of adoption. And we're under this bondage and that bondage and that bondage and fear of this and fear of that and fear of something else. Don't you know the Lord God brought you on this earth? And there ain't enough devils out of hell to take you off of this earth until the Lord God is done with you. Fear of childbirth. Fear of cooking. Fear of large things. Fear of the color black. Fear of small things. Fear of dirt and germs. Fear of death or dead things. Fear of the night. Fear of hospitals. Fear of the dark. Fear of gaining weight. Fear of the number eight. Fear of the rain. Fear of snakes. I'm with you on that, brother. <laughs> fear of birds. Well, I look at it, they cause heart attacks. I don't care what color they are, what size they are. Fear of birds. Fear of paper. I wish I'd known this name when I was in school. I'd have told my teacher, I got, I got paparia phobia. Papar- she didn't know that's from Kentucky. I got paparia phobia, teacher. Uh, teacher, I'm, I'm scared of paper. And no, I ain't giving y'all a copy of this so you can find one for your excuses. I'm sick and tired of our excuses. I'm sick and tired of our, well, I'm afraid to clap my hands. I'm afraid to shout. I'm afraid to worship. We need to get these fears under our feet. Hallelujah. We need to move to the land of adoption. Let me hurry. Fear of disease, fear of children, fear of love. Fear of phobias. Fear of feet. Can you imagine every morning you get up and you're scared to death of your feet and you got to put socks on them babies? Fear of beards. I could understand this if it was a woman. I mean, if she started getting one, you know. Fear of the color purple. Fear of ferns. Fear of flying. Fear of fire. Fear of Halloween. Fear of school. Man, this would have been good too, Harry. We're just going to school. Scoliophobia, teacher. I got that pepper. That scolian, no, no. Scoliosis? No, it's scolio. I've got a fear of going to school. I think some folks have got that. We'll, we'll call that church phobia. They've got a fear of going to church. 
Oh, I, I can't go to church today. Oh, oh, that big bad devil's there. Yeah, he's going to be there, but there's going to be a big bad Jesus is going to be in there. He's going to bloody that devil's nose. Ah, hallelujah. Oh, you want to come to the house of God? Well, I'm scared. I'm scared they might get a little bit emotional. You go to Walmart, don't you? And you go to ball games, so you avoid going to ball games when they jump and scream and holler and shout. If they can jump up and down about a stupid pig skin, then kick from one end to the other. What about children of God standing up and saying, hallelujah, praise the Lord, we worship you, Lord. Oh, I'm scared of worship. I'm scared I'll get too emotional. I'm scared of this. You need to move over to the land of adoption. Fear of Halloween, fear of school, fear of the moon, fear of social evaluation, fear of sleep. And I read that one, I thought, maybe that's why I can't sleep sometimes. (laughs) Fear of sleep, fear of speed, fear of technology, fear of deep water, fear of thunder, fear of needles or injections, Fear of clustered patterns of holes. Fear of beautiful women. Fear of germs. Fear of witches and witchcraft. Fear of strangers or foreigners. Fear of animals. And believe me, this is only a few. Brother Donnie, I could add a few more to the list. I don't want to hear it. And yet we sing about how free we are. I wonder how much fear controls our life every day. May God help us. It's your right as a son or daughter of God to live above ungodly fear. I'm going to pray for you right now. Every one of you that will believe when we pray, if you will allow the Spirit of God (laughs) I believe He'll set you free. How it must hurt Him. How it must break His heart as we would say. For his children to be bound with such fears when he died to make you free. Lord Jesus, we come before you today and we say, Abba, Father, kind Father, loving Father, Gentle Father, my Father. We don't always understand your will. We don't understand why you allow us to go through certain things. But we trust you. We believe you. We need your help today, Lord. 
in the name of Jesus, may every spirit of fear that holds these people, may it leave them now in the name of Jesus. Trauma, anxiety, phobias of all sorts and sizes. Your name has been called today, Satan, and you are exposed. We're sick and tired of you holding us back from the fullness of our adoption. And we know it will be made manifest, of course, in the change of the body, but we've still got work to do. And our fears of failure hold some of us back. Our fears of seeing others step out on what they said was faith and failing, it hinders us. But we're telling you to your face today, Satan, you're a liar. I will not allow people's failures before me to dictate how I will live my life in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Abba, Peter, Abba. Hallelujah. We need you, Father, in this hour. Our Redeemer, all the fears and phobias that our lives are so engulfed in. Lord Jesus, may we walk out of this building today with our minds made up. I will never again allow Satan's ungodly fear to dominate my life. He may try to put it on me, but that's all he'll do, try. Because I refuse to live under the dominant power of fear. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Would you do me a favor now? I can't can't lay hands on all of you. But the Bible says that they lay hands on one another. Don't even say you have to be a preacher. You're doing this as I'm bidding you to do it. So I'm standing here today as his representative, as an ambassador of heaven. And I need your hands for a few moments. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just pray for one another right now. Lord, there's believers standing here in this building today, sons and daughters of God that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Sons and daughters of God who've been born again, whose names are on that Lamb's book of life. They have passed from death unto life. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, as they have their hands laid one upon the other, may sickness leave the people right now. Hallelujah. Leah Beth, as you're sitting there with your mama, lay your hand over on her. Hallelujah. Fathers, Leah's touching Erica. I condemn this devil that's been sent out of hell to try to take her life. 
In the name of Jesus, Satan, you are defeated. May sadness, sickness, oppression of the enemy, may the shackles of Satan fall around the feet of these people today. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, may the spirit of fear turn God's people loose. May anxiety and things that they've carried for years Lord, some of them can relate to some of these phobies and I by no means, Lord, would ridicule or make fun of them for any of them that they deal with. But Lord, we lay all of our fears and phobias at your feet today, Lord Jesus. Take them away from us, Father. Take them away, Lord. They've motivated our lives. They've hindered us from trust. Many don't still to this day even trust preachers because of phobias that they've encountered in their lives. Lord God, may we walk out of this building today free by the power of God, free by the resurrected Savior. You didn't just come to free us, oh Lord, from smoking or drinking or committing adultery, but you come to free us from the fear and the bondage that Satan had us in. You don't want us under a church entity. You don't wonder us under a church membership or a fear of this or that. Set us free today, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of God? That I could still go free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you'll believe, you'll walk out of here today a changed person. That don't mean that thing won't try to hit you again, but you just remember, he may try to come back, but you just rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many believes it with all of your heart? How many wants to be free today? You want to live a life above ungodly fear. Sorry for me, Harry. Start with the verse. Let's just worship him together before we go. We're going to dismiss you. And those of you that want to stay and eat, we've got food for you. If you'd like to stay, you're welcome to. If we can't help you spiritually, we'll try to give you a little something in your belly after a while. If you're welcome to stay, if you'd like. You can love Let's just sing this together. Be a in a prison oh and throw away the key take away my vision from that now can see deprive me of the very food I need and even
Hallelujah. I can still go free. Praise the Lord. Let's sing it together now with all your hearts. Oh, he said that I could still go
now I'm free Hallelujah, hallelujah Midnight in the middle of the day Brother Tim, you and Brother Tony, come and sing us at least one more, brother, before we go. The sun was hot, angry mob gathered by the gray stone building. As a man dressed in velvet with a curly black beard stepped out on his balcony. Nervously washing his hands to rid him of the blood. Pilot never washed away. His wrinkled brow showed the worry lines. I heard Pilot say, I find no fault. In this man called Jesus, healer from the shores of Galilee. Oh, glory. I command you to ask me to let him go free. Don't make me take this man's blood to the grave with me. Nervously washing his hands to rid him of the blood. He would never wash me. The mob cried for blood from this innocent man. I heard Pilate pray. Oh, and it was midnight in the middle. before his cross to pray the whole world shook the veil was rent as a sinless Christ was slain and it was midnight in the middle of the day listen now
preaching what preaching what a message wow God knows what you need he knows exactly what you need man did you enjoy that are you free are you free that's the main thing I'm, I'm gonna go out them three entrances free and you can. Oh, ain't he good? Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Oh, let's give the Lord another good hand. He poured it out today, friends. How many believe there's going to be a hallelujah meeting when we get over there? Oh, my. Oh, what a celebration for getting where we've been. We're standing on the top of Zion, triumphant over sin. First the angels will stop singing, then the joy bells start ringing. Prepare ye all of heaven when the saints go marching in. Now won't that be a hallelujah meeting when step on the other side? But the saints of old standing with the greeters to welcome us across the tide. We'll lift glad hands together, go shouting all through the land. And when you think it's just about it, it'll happen all over again. I've been laughed at years for shouting for many long years ago. But I got more than just religion when Jesus saved my soul. I got a way down deep salvation like no mortal tongue can tell. And a standing invitation to a hallelujah spell. Now hold that be a hallelujah time. Saints, we'll welcome us across the tide. We'll lift our heads, go shouting all through the land. And when you think it's just about ended, it'll happen all over again. Well, I've been laughed at years for shouting since a way long time ago. But I got more than just religion when Jesus saved my soul. I got a way down deep salvation like no mortal tongue can tell. And a standing invitation to a hallelujah spell. Now, that be a hallelujah meeting when we step on the other side. Where the saints of old standing with the greeters to welcome us across the tide. We'll lift that hands together, go shouting all through the land. And when you think it's just about ended, it'll happen all over again. Yeah, when you think it's just about ended, it'll happen all over again. Amen. Can't wait for that day. Amen. My voice is gone. Sing them another one. Yeah, I can't get up there. Yeah, I think I, I, think I started that in the wrong chord. How many has found the lily in your valley this morning? Help us do this one right here. What did I do that in? I don't know my own chords. 
All alone and broken hearted Trying to calm the raging battle in my mind I was searching for the answers My troubled soul just couldn't seem to find And then I saw a flower blooming Where there was no rain or sunshine And I knew not that this flower Would change the rest of my life Let me sing it I found the lily in my valley I found strength when I was warm I found a place to leave my burdens I found refuge from the storm a place where I trade my dark skies for beaming rays God's sunshine I found the lily in my valley and he blooms all the time if you're down and broken hearted you just can't seem to find peace of mind You're still searching for the answers But your problems are getting worse All the time Here's what you do If you just lift your hands to Jesus He'll take you in and break all the ties that bind He'll be the lily in your valley and you can watch him bloom all the time I found the lily in my valley I found strength when I was warm I found a place to leave my burden I found refuge from the storm A place where I trade my dark skies For beaming rays of God's sunshine I found the lily in my valley And he blooms all the times sing that chorus again i found the lily in my valley i found strength when i was born i found a place to leave all my burdens i found a refuge from the storm 
place where I trade all my dark skies for beaming rays of his sunshine. I found the lily in my valley and he blooms all the time. I found the lily in my valley and he blooms all the time your word is our bread. We thank you for it. Now as we will leave here, go down to the place there, we ask that you just be with us and bless and sanctify the food to our bodies and how we long, Lord, for the day when we will once again meet at a supper table, the marriage supper of the Lamb. May there not be a one of us missing at that day, Father. Go with us now. Keep us by your grace and your mercy, Father, till we gather together again. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. Remember service here Wednesday night. God bless each of you. Thank the visitors for being with us today. Thank Brother Tim and the church coming and being with us. Didn't we appreciate that? Amen. With all of our hearts. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. God bless you. You unravel me. With a melody, you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy till all my fears are gone. I'm chosen me your love has called my name I've been born again to your family blood flows through my veins and I'm no Slave to fear, oh, I am a child of God. I'm no longer 
Ciao. 